Remember when we used to just argue about Topgolf? Now it seems like every other week there's some national turmoil we got to go over. It's exhausting. But just like the vote count in Nevada, Access Louisville never stops. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining us. My name is David Mann, and joining me today is Shay Van Hoy. Hello. Brooke Timmons. Hi there. And Jason Thomas. How do? Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Jason had a different uh, different saying there. <laughs> Try to mix it up. Right it's a it's a uh, it's it's a tribute to my brother-in-law who lives in who's from Pennsylvania. He'd always say that him and his dad. How do? Oh, and it's Not very sure. it's very yeah. topical. Thought it was fitting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Each week we bring you the latest news and the sharpest opinions on the city we love, Louisville, Kentucky. But before we do that, I'm going to start this show the way I always do, with a difficult question for our panel. So guys, we had a story this week on louisvillebusinessfirst.com about Del Frisco's, this steakhouse that was in St. Matthew's. The roof collapsed in the building that it was in and pretty much sent all the tenants packing. Well, Del Frisco's has finally reopened. It's, uh, it's moved to what used to be the former Z's Oyster Bar, which is um, on Whittington Parkway, uh, kind of near Hurstbourne Lane and Shelbyville Road. So that got me thinking about steakhouses. And I just wanted to get some opinions on that because I know we've talked bars, we've talked pizza. I can't remember if we've ever talked best steakhouses in Louisville. So I'm going to ask you guys that. What's your favorite steakhouse in Louisville and why? And Shay, you talk a lot about steak. So I'm going to go with you first on this one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My, de- my death row meal is like steak and baked potato. That's like, you know, if I was leaving, leaving you all tomorrow. Um, for me, it's like, I think there are a lot of good steakhouses in Louisville. But for me, there's like one that's um, stands above the rest. And that's Jeff Ruby's um, for. Oh, I thought you were going to go with Lemu there. You went with oh, I, I, love- I 100% <laughs> knew he was going to go with Jeff. <laughs> I love Lemu and, I, and uh, you know, have become friends with Kevin Grangier and I love brunch there and it's great. But like, just the experience at Jeff Ruby's of, um, of like, not only the food's awesome, plus you can get a, a sushi roll, like as an appetizer with filet and lobster in it. And where else can you get that? Oh, wow. Uh, and then just the experience, I've told this story a couple of times, but, um, maybe the second visit there, we had an, uh, our server, it was, it was named Andre. I think he still works there. But, uh, after, after we, a couple of days later when we were back home and, uh, we got a handwritten thank you card from our server. And every time we've had him, he sends a card thanking, thanking you for joining him. And so So there you go. And, and, you know, it feels like you're in, you're in Vegas or a mafia den when you're in there. So. <laughs> Love it. Yep. Uh, Jason, how about you? You know, I, I gave this some thought and I, I, I have to agree with Shay. I just, I just, um, I'm a big fan of Jeff Ruby's. I, I really got to go ex- there now. I've never yeah. been there. You know, you got Robbie Bartlett up on the stage singing the blues, and you know, it's it's just this. That's, it's the overall awesome. experience, like Shay said. The service is always impeccable. You know, I've never had a bad experience there, and nine times out of ten, I've gone there. It's it's always at the bar, just kind of hanging out there, and just there's just an energy, a vibe there that go along with the food. It's just one of my, it's one of my favorite places to visit. All right, it is definitely going up the list for me. How about you, Brooke? <laughs> 
Um, so I actually think I'm going to have to third Jeff Ruby's. Um, <laughs> Damn. So I, I've been to, I, I, I love Ruth's Chris and that is just like an elegant experience. There is two, I mean, they serve the same similar food, same kind of thing, but two different experiences. Uh, but last time I was at Jeff Ruby's, I ordered the baked Alaska just so that someone would light something on fire in front of me. And it was a great <laughs> show. Like I loved it. Could have just asked for um, a candle. I could have, but we've, I mean, we all know I'm extra, so um, why not light my dessert on fire, please? Um, so anyway, I would have to say Jeff Ruby's too. Um, wow. Um, I've never, uh, I've never been to Jeff Ruby's. I have been to Ruth Chris. I had a bad experience there. Just um, uh, a long wait after I made a reservation. I was like, well, why did I make a reservation? I've had that there too once. If I, yeah. if I have to wait for an hour, then why didn't I, <laughs> why didn't I, make, why didn't I make a reservation? Um, mm-hmm. It was on Valentine's Day. And I was like going to say they were busy, but then I walked into the uh, the dining room or whatever, and it wasn't busy at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know what was going on. I know restaurants have a hard time on Val- uh, yeah, Valentine's Day. So um, I'm going to... I don't know. I like Lemu. I guess I'll go with Lemu. Um, they have a real unique experience. Um, it's different. Uh, they offer you different steak knives. They they have a, a just kind of an overall vibe there that I like. Um, I hadn't been there for brunch. I've only been there for dinner. Uh, yeah, I've only really been there like for brunch. I haven't had them for steak, so I can't. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if I like Lemu better <laughs> for steak. Yeah. I'll just, yeah, to be different, I'll, I'll say Lemu. Um, also like steak and bourbon. That's not as uh, high end as uh, um, Jeff Ruby. That's kind of more approachable, but I think that's why I like it too. So, um, really good. yeah. And they my brother. Oh, yeah. What's that? Underrated, underrated steak place that you don't think of for steak is Valare, which, you know, most oh, people yeah. go to for Italian. They have very mm. good steaks there. Anyway, my, that's my the brother-in-law that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the one from Pennsylvania, we have a um, tradition when they come into town, they, they live out in, uh, well, they used to live out in Missouri. But anyway, over the years, when they come into town for Christmas, we'd always go to Jeff Ruby, kind of sort of thing to celebrate. But we're bucking tradition this year, and we're going to try Brooklyn and the Butcher in New Albany. I haven't oh. been there yet. But, Marty uh, I've heard good things it. about Marty it. Marty says good things about it. So. Hmm. I've had brunch there, too, oddly, and not. Dinner. I've had dinner at Labu and it's great, but like, yeah, Brooklyn and Butcher just brunch and it was fine. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this darned election of ours, which has been spanning for three years now. Not exactly. It's been it's been going on for three days. Um, it's we're recording this on Friday. Things are getting a little more clear. Um, at Georgia's count is almost there. Um, Pennsylvania's count is almost there. Nevada hasn't <laughs> moved in like four days. I don't know what they're doing now. Uh, yeah, they're, Arizona they're is getting inches. Cl- they're inching along in Arizona. <laughs> I looked at Alaska. I think Alaska is the worst. Fifty-six uh, percent. <laughs> one of my on, friends. I, I posted a meme about uh, about Nevada on my Instagram, and one of my friends replied, and she was like, "If you think Nevada's bad, check out Alaska." <laughs> yeah, what? I don't know. They had to. I don't know. They had to sled in all the results. She, one, she thinks there's one stoned guy counting all the votes in Alaska. <laughs> well, and he's like, hang on, I got to start over. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, you know, I, and it's, it's these key battleground States um, that are, that are doing it. And it's, ah, it's nerve wracking watching this. And, you know, it's such a big election, something that people have been 
I mean, even before this year, people were talking about the election and then all year long, we've been dealing with the election. And now it's like, oh, just get it over with. (laughs) Count the votes. What are you going to sleep? Uh, Did we really expect anything different from 2020? No, no. Absolutely. you know, this totally checks out. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys that though, because there were a lot of different expectations uh, going around out there. Some pundits were saying, we won't know for a week. And then I was reading some other places were like, oh, what if it's a landslide and Joe Biden's going to get this landslide victory? Well, it wasn't that. <laughs> um, and it might actually be a week. So the, the people who said uh, it, it'll take a week uh, might be closer on this one, at least looks like it so far. Um, but what were all your expectations going in? Did you think it would take this long or did, were you thinking that, that it would be more decisive? I'll start. I thought the, I thought the landslide was on. I thought we were going to have this thing wrapped up on, uh, on election night. I was going to go to bed at at eight o'clock. I don't know why I'd go to bed (laughs) at eight o'clock, but anyway, I thought it was going to be over at eight o'clock. Like I thought, um, thought it would just like, go faster and obviously i was way wrong on that um you know i think uh you know i've i kind of just been checking it a little bit each day and it still doesn't seem to move very much but uh where are you guys and where did you think it was going to be brooke i'll start with you on this so i had originally thought because they had said in you know some predictions that it could be months before we would know the outcome just based on like you know, laws on counting absentee voting, you know, it could be a really long time. So I've gone in thinking that then we start seeing polls about, you know, landslide victory. And I thought like you, I thought day of, we're going to know. So, um, I think we've kind of met somewhere in the middle and knowing in a week. Yeah. Um, so, but, but yeah, and I've, but I mean, yeah, so none of that surprises me. Yeah. Uh, Jason, what do you think? Where were, where were you thinking going in? Um, I was thinking that it was going to be close. I didn't think it'd be a landslide. So this isn't surprising me. And I kind of expected it to take a couple of days at least. So I think it's pretty typical of what a lot of people were thinking, you know, and then you, you know, Trump has been kind of laying the groundwork for months about this fraud and, mm-hmm. and he's been, um, yeah, he's been talking about it. And mm-hmm. Yeah. We all kind of knew he was going to say that there was fraud going on. <laughs> Right. And then you have what he said last night. He just flat out just made these allegations unfounded. You know, it's just such an assault on our our de- democratic process. And it's just such a slap into the face to all those people who stood in line for hours and hours. So, you know, I'm thankful that the system is, is working like it should. And hopefully, you know, after we've seen what's happened this morning with Pennsylvania and now Georgia, that we're going to have some resolution. But then again, you know, you still have some of these military ballots that are outstanding. So that might take a little bit for those mm-hmm. who count the district one, even though Biden might have a comfortable lead. So I think it's going to take a couple more days at least. Yeah. And I mean, it's not surprising. Um, Shay, uh, what, what did you think? Well, one thing like with the vote counting, um, there's like I saw last night, New Jersey was at 71%. So they're like way behind, you know, uh, but it's already been called. So no one cares that they're. Yeah. I was looking at other States with the same situation. Yeah. Like like, uh, Missouri, but I think still had some ways to go. So I think it's going to play out where it take, you know, probably by like another couple days for, or, or maybe tomorrow before it's called, but it's also going to be 
in Trump's definition, a landslide because Trump had 306 electoral votes in 2016. And that's very likely what Biden might end up with if he holds mm-hmm. Nevada and Arizona. So that would, in Trump's terms, be a landslide. It just took a while to get there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like, it's getting like if he wins, I mean, if Biden wins Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, and Arizona, that's a big deficit. That's, like, that's not. I think a, it's 306. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's exactly um, what Trump had last year. Yeah. yeah. You're right. So yeah. that's, that would be like a big. Um, well, and it's falling in with margin. what the polls said, you know, which on election mm-hmm. night, we weren't kind of seeing that because. Um, they said a lot of times the um, Republican voters are the ones who are voting in person, and then it was more of the Democrat voters who were doing the vote by mail. So that's why it's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. flipping the, the scale right now. Yeah. yeah. And I wish it was, I wish they could have counted in every state, could have started counting mm-hmm. before Election Day, but some states had laws that didn't allow them to do that. And that that's even went to court fights. in yeah, one case. Exactly. <laughs> and so, like, you know, that just makes it take longer, the fact that that, yeah. that happened. So, um, you, well, you look, you know, it's what the, the most votes cast in how many years? And, you know, mm-hmm. Biden has gained the most votes ever in, of any popular vote by what, over three million. So, I mean, that's that's all great for us, for voters, for this democracy, for this republic. So in the mm-hmm. end, you know, I think it's going to be an historic event for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trump got more votes, too, than he did right. last time. I yeah. Mean, it's both both parties like whatever this, I don't know if it's the chaos, but it got people to either vote by mail or go vote in person. People were very engaged. Voter voter turnout for this election should be celebrated because it was, you know, I'm I'm interested to see what the percentage is versus the last one, uh, the last election, but I assume it's going to be quite significantly larger. Mm -hmm. And in addition to the presidential races, you have some of these Senate races in Georgia that are going to go to Mm -hmm. a runoff. And so we haven't heard the last of those yet either. Right. so that could yeah, end up yeah. flipping the Senate. You never know. And um, I think if if it holds out where Biden wins and the Senate doesn't get flipped, I think that divided government speaks to the way America is right now, <laughs> um, where it's uh, instead of just going one way, instead of just going all <laughs> Democrats or all Republicans, we got this, you know. Work together, like Mitch McConnell, Joe Biden, go work together. <laughs> like, can, can we talk a little bit about some of this poetic justice that is happening, though? John Lewis's home district could carry Georgia over, you know, put, put Biden ahead of Trump after mm-hmm. everything happened mm-hmm. with, with his death. And, and then you have Arizona with John McCain and his wife coming out endorsing mm-hmm. Biden. And it's just the, the irony and the poetic justice to some of this is, mm-hmm. is quite fascinating. That is that, um, you know, and I hadn't thought much about, I thought about Georgia, but I hadn't thought much about McCain there in that regard. Um, so yeah, definitely, uh, definitely uh, memorable that that happened. Um, let's see here. I guess, are, are you guys having any luck tuning this out? I know a lot of people talk about election anxiety. Um, I'm pretty good. I mean, you guys talked about watching Trump get on tv last night i'm like trump got on tv last night that's used to me <laughs> um i uh, i am very i am very very good at saying <laughs> off world and then just i don't pay attention to anything i don't look at my phone i you know kind of zone out and just do my own thing and then you know i read actually that about the press conference um it's so wild um 
some of the uh, commentary that uh, that's been out there about it. I mean, just to see even Republicans kind of tuning, <laughs> tuning him out on some of these right. points. Um, McConnell hasn't gone so far as to condemn it, uh, condemn what he's saying, but he is basically just not commenting on it. So, um, but well, anyway, the process uh, is you know you don't you don't bring up you know uh, uh, allegations and then try to prove it later. You know what Trump did last night. You know, right. If you if, if there's if there's some fraud going on, you find it and then you say, hey, look, here's what's happening. You know, yeah, you know, I mean, if you got evidence of fraud, by all means, you know, <laughs> right. report right, it to exactly. the property of, uh, proper authorities and, and let the courts <laughs> look at this. But um, but I'm, so far, it's there's there hasn't been any of that. Anyway, mm-hmm. I kind of cut off my own question there. Are you guys tuning it out or are you glued to it, uh, Shay? I would lean toward more um, interested in it. Uh, I watched a lot of different network coverage last night, watched his... <laughs> most of his speech um, and obviously on Twitter a lot, but, but it hasn't like, um, I don't think I'm, I mean, it's, you know, kind of this rhetoric is, is annoying and damaging, but I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm like exhausted by it at this point or anything. Um, I might feel differently if it, you know, months of court cases or something, but, um, but yeah, it's been like kind of like Brooks said, the turnout has just made it kind of um, invigorating in a way. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooke, how about you? Um, I would say I'm like, I'm like Shay, I'm interested in it, but I'm not consumed by it. So, you know, I have a a group thread with some friends where we're talking about it and we're sharing, you know, oh, did you see that this number just changed and, and some things like that. But I can tune it out to a certain extent, um, but I am 100% here for the memes. If anyone wants to at me with some funny memes, either side, like, let's go. Like, I'm here yeah. to laugh. So, um, so yeah, so I, 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 I'm not consumed, but I'm certainly plugged in and interested. There's definitely some great internet humor out there. Uh, Jason, how about you? <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm pretty fascinated by it. You know, as a as a fan of history, it's just something um, to witness to see the evolution mm-hmm. of what's happening and to see it drilled down county by county, township by township. You know, I, I kind of have a man crush on John King and seeing it. I see how he can um, Where is stuff. he? The other. Uh... <laughs> My crush is George right. Stephanopoulos on ABC. I was glued to to G stuff on Thursday night or Tuesday night. Hair, I <laughs> but yeah, I will say like, I'm probably the only one in my house who's who's in this boat because I brought it up to my fiance yesterday about some of the stuff, and she kind of laid down the law and yelled at me that it's bad for her mental health. So I'm I'm kind of in my own little bubble and internalizing all this, but it's just fun for me to just watch it all happen unfold. I'm checking in couple times a day and yeah, checking in in the morning when i wake up we got a president yet no nope. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, president no. <laughs> <laughs> well we have a president do we have a winner yet that's what i mean um and uh you know i'm just kind of want to be the first to know though man. i'm Come trying on. not to let it uh consume me um like i will, I I will say you're good at turning <laughs> out so i will say having previously only worked at daily papers for you know, 15 or well, what was it? 18 years before my almost five years at business first, I am overjoyed to not have to cover elections. I'll second that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm talking like local elections too, or, or, you know, having to stay up on this reporting wise, you know, we don't cover elections in that way. And I'm Mm -hmm. really glad because I was 
got my fill and do not want to do that again if I don't. Did have you to. order pizza just for nostalgia? Like I did. <laughs> you have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did, uh, I did last in 2016, I think, because that was my first. My the general election in 2016 was the first time. This year, I. I don't remember what I got. Something. <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah. one year at Indy Star, they they tried to order a Qdoba on election night, and there was literally like a revolt in the newsroom. It's like, <laughs> yep, no, you order yep, pizza. On the <laughs> order pizza. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Even though Qdoba, I would say, um, yeah, it was close. I was like, oh, it's oh. like that's pretty good. That's a pretty good order. We <laughs> yeah. we never get any Qdoba at our office. <laughs> we haven't been to our office in months, but. <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh yeah, let's see here. Yeah, like Shay said, we don't uh cover elections like the daily papers do and and CNN and New York Times and all those. Um that is, you know, we just kind of stay in our lane and cover cover it from a business perspective. Uh so we're not going to be your number one go-to source for election news, but you know, we will sit here and watch it like the rest of the world. Um switch gears here we'll talk a little bit about COVID-19 again um seems like the story is the new top golf (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) only we could tee it up and knock it out i'm trying to find a joke about building COVID-19 and hearse porn but i can't (laughs) um anyway Shay, you just had a story on COVID-19 in colleges. Uh, what were some of the, the figures there that, that you were looking at? Yeah, the New York Times has this tracker that they update somewhat. And actually, we've, I've got new numbers updated since I wrote that a few days ago. Um, and they're just tracking positive COVID cases on college campuses. And you can search by state. It's really handy. Um, you can find the story on, on our website. Um, but Kentucky is up to 6,700 cases at 52 colleges that are reporting. Um, I looked at Indiana, they're at 9,700. So probably population wise, you know, kind of in line, uh, but only 33 colleges reporting in Indiana, which I thought was interesting, not as many as in Kentucky. Mm. Um, look, as far as breaking down Kentucky, um, UK has about three times as many cases as UofL, and with a caveat that I don't have no idea how they're reporting these or anything, but um, UK has just shy of 2,500 positives since uh, the start of the school year, and UofL sitting right shy of 900. Um, and of course, U- UK has does have more students. Um, mm-hmm. And then the rest of the you know the rest of our campuses, Bellarmine was sitting at 156, and then like Spalding, Sullivan, IU Southeast were all just right around 10. Um, so uh, it's kind of an interesting thing though to track and look at other other states. And obviously, one of the you know, COVID cases are rising everywhere, but one of the the factors that people are pinning it on is college kids being back around each other. They're not as vulnerable, probably not as worried about, you know, getting it because they're less likely to get sick. And then they go back home with their families and, Oh my God, Thanksgiving's coming and all right. of that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I mean, it, you know, the numbers, we, you, most people are paying attention at least, um, you know, following the news on Indiana and Kentucky cases from this year. And it's, it's not been good news the last few weeks. No. So, we're in the biggest spike we've seen. Uh, you thought the October spike was bad. Wait till you meet the November spike. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you hear numbers like that and figures like that. Is it time to go back into shutdown mode? Uh, Brooke, I'll ask you. Um, you know, 
I don't know. And I think that we need to listen to the experts about that. You know, I'm, I'm not an expert on, you know, the spread of disease. So I don't know if my opinion really matters in that situation. I think that, uh, I think that listening to experts who know whether a shutdown is necessary or whatnot, or if we can do some different, you know, limited closures and just kind of get through it, then maybe that's what we do. But I think listening to experts who know what they're talking about instead of like uncle John at your Thanksgiving table and what he thinks uh, is what we need to be doing. Yeah. And you got to think that Bashir is holding off um, on making any new shutdowns until he gets some clarity from the Supreme court on what he is and isn't allowed to do. Um, obviously those cases that are those shutdowns, those bans that he did early in the year, uh, they all got challenged. The, the group gathering ban, the travel ban, uh, the travel ban, I think got overturned. Um, and now the other ones, the one on gatherings and, uh, there was another one. They're both ahead of the, uh, Kentucky Supreme courts and they're, I guess, trying to decide what the governor has the authority to do. And I guess that's why, I mean, he hadn't come right out and said it. I don't think, um, I think Marty would have filled us in if he had, but, um, he hasn't come right out and said it, but it sounds like, uh, he's just kind of waiting to see, like, he doesn't want to make another executive order that's just going to get thrown out or get challenged or, or that sort of thing. So I guess we're just waiting to see what authority the, the governor has as as far as doing another shutdown i'd hate to see another full shutdown but i would Mm -hmm. uh i do think we need to like scale back what we're doing Mm -hmm. yeah because clearly this isn't working i mean we're just one of those situations where the phrase this is why we can't have nice things comes into play it's like we have just like a couple rules right now that if you could like if everyone could just follow those like but (laughs) this is why we can't have nice things right right well i think like i have i have to think sports like i love that they're back but you got to think sports are causing it i mean um I have a, I have a friend who does some camera work, uh, for lots of sports. He flies around the country for ESPN and, uh, before COVID flew around the world and did tennis tournaments and stuff. Um, so he is actually having, he's basically tested almost every single day as an employee for these sporting events. So I think on that level of the sporting events where we have the athletes, we have the people who are running cameras and cables and all of that, they're being tested. It's, I think maybe the audience that's coming in that we're not, you know, well, that, and I don't have a good handle on like high school football and, um, middle school, uh, you know, uh, basketball and that sort of thing. Like, I think that's the sports that are causing yeah. maybe not the pro sports because those got like, right. I mean, they're getting tested all the time, but, um, just, I think maybe there's a lot of spread among young kids that are playing sports and it probably doesn't affect them very much. So they don't even know they have it because they're, you know, their kids. Right. And then that spreads to, you know, mom and dad and grandpa and everybody else. And that's kind of caused the spread. And again, I mean, it's just like Brooke said, I don't know anything. Don't listen to me, like listen to an expert, but that's my opinion on it is yeah. that. Um, Dr. Stack gets so just like exasperated. If you ever, if you, if you haven't watched him in a while, just like tune in, like listen to what he has to I just say. Don't follow uh, the his Dr. voice Stack puts me to sleep, man. He's just yeah. like, he's just like, just, could you just wear a mask? 
and stay six feet away from people. Yeah, I think that's the key, you know, and I don't know how you do this, but it's just enforcing the, that mask wearing more. I don't know if we need mask police or what, but, you know, the, the sound of me, which is a it's very just, small it's, piece. To me, to me, I think so many people, it's getting over the stigma of this is weird and yeah. we just have to normalize it, for, at least for now, you know, mm. like maybe this isn't our, you know, normalcy five years from now, but Right now, we have to normalize wearing masks. I had a, a little cousin who was made fun of for wearing his mask. And that's not cool, guys. That's not cool. <laughs> He's just trying to be safe. Right. I've never been made fun of or, or shamed for wearing a mask. Oh, well, my, uh, I went to that wedding I mentioned last week. I went to a wedding. <laughs> uh, my brother... Uh, He's a hell of a guy, but he's a, uh, he, he's got some theories that he found on the internet. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he was he was maybe dogging me a little bit about it, but I felt like it was in good it was like good humor or whatever. So I've never really felt like people are like telling me, um, "Don't you know? Don't wear a mask." Um, I'm going to start wrapping this up here, but uh, Shay, I wanted to ask you about. Uh, the most admired uh, CEOs event that's coming up next week for for uh, business first and um, just wanted to you know see what was different about that this year we're kind of looking at uh, uh, how how leaders have dealt with this this wild year that we're in right yeah so um, along with you know some of the content being uh, that that will publish uh, after the event next week, being about you know how these CEOs are, you know, dealing with COVID and keeping their employees motivated. Uh, we also decided to add a second component to the awards program this year, and it's called Business Impact Awards, and that was spe- specifically designed for uh, companies or, or nonprofits that have uh, came up with a new service or new product to help fight COVID-19 or help people who are fighting it or, mm-hmm. um, you know, or organizations that have taken steps to help um, promote further racial uh, equality. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got a mix of those. And some, some of the organizations that we have um, 12 in total uh, are doing both at the same time. So, uh, you know, some of our, some of our big employers like, uh, like GE in there, um, you know, down to some smaller nonprofits. So it's really cool to, to learn more about some of those things that those companies are doing, um, you know, to, to help out, to help out right now. So those will be highlighted as well. Uh, the event is November 12th. It's a uh, kind of a lunchtime uh, virtual event with a panel talk that I'll be moderating. And if you want to sign up for that, that uh, you could go to our website and go under events and, and sign up. Um, the panel talk has um, four, honor- four honorees from last year that will be discussing how they've managed and I'm looking forward to 2021 as well. So what are a few, like I'm, you've been reading these uh, profiles with CEOs or interviews with CEOs. Are there any like uh, facts or stories from, from our local CEOs that really stuck out to you yesterday? Yeah. One of the questions, which I'm like, I'm never not going to ask this question again uh, on a Q and a was um, uh, we, we oftentimes in these, you know, we'll ask people what's something that, that, uh, the general public might not know about you. Uh, but this year I kind of tweaked that question and asked that, but also, or what's the craziest thing you've ever done. Um, and that got some entertaining answers found out that, uh, Dan Mann, the executive director of the Louisville regional airport authority, the Louisville, uh, ran with the bulls in Pamplona mm. and obviously survived. Um, so, uh, and he said he would do it again. 
Um, we had um, a child, you know, a child, one of our CEOs who was a child actor did commercial work um, when they were like five and six years old. <laughs> That's um, funny. Who was that? Yeah. That is cool. It was, uh, I want to say it was, um, who was it? It's the, his dad is um, the character actor from Louisville. Um, you put me on the spot, David, with the, <laughs> the people. Well, okay, the I'm listeners I'm just will have to read. And <laughs> yeah, find out. Know, that's right. <laughs> Hold on. I think, I, yeah. Um, and then um, we had another, um, another CEO who made money in college and high school um, by doing Elvis impersonations. Um, Stop! That's so cool. Don't tell them who this is either. I'm like, not. I won't, I, won't to read. <laughs> I won't tell you who that is, and that's going to be in the print edition. That that will show up in print and online. But the so the podcast people is, are going to have to track down a print news feed. Right. <laughs> the I, I I wanted. I thought this was who the child actor was, but I didn't want to guess wrong. But it's Brett Bachman with Heiser Hearing, and oh, his okay. um yeah yeah his a lot. Some people in town know that um his dad is a character actor and has been in. Many, many TV shows. He was in uh, the, uh, was it 80s or 90s cult classic Tremors? Um, huh. And he did, what? he was like a, yeah, yeah, he was a character, but he's, he's from Louisville, moved to LA. And so that's, so Bachman grew up out there and then, you know, and ends up back here running um, Heiser Hearing Institute, which is pretty cool. So he kind of told a story about, he got it, he landed a commercial when he was six because he was the only kid that could pronounce some scientific name. <laughs> and that's why he got it. So it's pretty cool. So some fun stuff. It's not all stuffy CEO, CEO talk. We got bulls and Elvis and child actors. And child actors. All right. Well, um, that's about it. One, one quick note here. I'm going to be, I'm taking vacation next week. And I don't think I've found any volunteers to host this show. So, um, so I think we're just going to take it. I'm in my I, child's bedroom, man. If, if I had a more quiet house, I would. I asked, if I wasn't designing for three new papers, I would. Yeah. I didn't bother asking Brooke, who's hosted for me in the past, because I figured she was just too busy. Uh, but I did ask the, the rest of our staff and uh, got crickets. So, uh, so taking a week off next week, and we'll be back in two weeks. Um, and right now we'll go around the room and you guys can share your social media handles. We'll never take a week off from them. Um, <laughs> Brooke, start with you. So you can find me on Instagram at at btimmons26. Uh, come by, say hi, stay for the memes uh, and the, the, the cooking demonstrations that I do. Mm. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at at bflubrooke. Uh, there you go. All right. Um, Jason. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and um, Instagram at Scoop Thomas, and I'm on uh, LinkedIn a lot, just under my name, Jason Thomas. All right, and uh, Shay. Yeah, mostly on Twitter at Shay Van Hoy, just my name, um, and then also uh, I have been cranking up my LinkedIn activity, especially posting content from uh, Business First on their stories that I think uh, the LinkedIn crowd would like. So. Um, I'm just under my name there. So you can find me and, and of course, business first uh, social accounts too. So mm -hmm. uh, you can find me on Twitter at BF Lou David and on Instagram at dman 3001. And if you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to this podcast on popular services like Apple podcast, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or Radio Public. Thank you very much, Jason, Brooke, and Shay. And thank you guys for listening to, to us at home. And we'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs>